Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that word, cosmology? Cosmology is basically the design of the universe. We talked about the fine-tuning of the universe and how the universe is, is, is finely tuned. You know, I had some comments on that on, on, uh, on YouTube. And, you know, it's, it's funny when, when people will make comments, but they won't use their real name. And so, which means they really don't want to have an intelligent conversation about it. They just want to vent a little bit. I would encourage you to do the same. If someone's not using a name, just kind of ignore them. You know, those Facebook profiles that are their dog's name. Yeah, you just kind of ignore that. Um, you don't have to answer those people. Uh, we, we answer humans, not robots and droids and, and criti- unnamed critics. And so week one, we talked about cosmology, the fine-tuning of the universe. And then the second week, we talked about the problem of evil. And the thing that we can all recognize is that there is something wrong. There is something wrong. And many, many people want to blame God for that, but God's not the problem. God is actually the solution. And he solved the problem of evil by sending Jesus. And then last week we talked about Jesus. We talked about the historical evidence of Jesus. We talked about, we preached the gospel without, without even using the gospels because society and culture over the years and history is filled with evidence, irrefutable evidence of the existence of Jesus and his claims. And we did, we dug deep into that last week. It was great. And today what I want to do is I want to dig into the word. Everybody say the word. So this is where a lot of people kind of struggle, right? Even a lot of people that are Christ followers, they're like, man, can we trust the Bible? Is the Bible reliable? And I want to help you today, just like we've been doing. I want to help you, give you some anchors in the scripture so that you could you can move forward in your faith, but also you can advance the message of the gospel. Come on, because the gospel's good without a reasonable doubt, Okay, it's, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you don't have doubts. It doesn't mean that you don't have questions. It just means we have reason is on our side. It's very reasonable to believe the scriptures, and we're going to continue on that today. So, the Bible, the Word, is the Bible reliable? How many of you have ever had that question? I have. I will be the first to raise my hand. You know, I mean, you just some of you is like the Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it, right? And that's good enough for you. Most of us with an intelligent brain will say that's not good enough for us because maybe maybe you do have an intelligent brain if you never questioned that. But, may, but those of us that are a little bit more skeptical in nature, okay, let me clarify that. Don't, don't hate on me. Um, but but you're, you're a little bit of a skeptic. I would say it's okay if you're a skeptic because reason is on our side. Evidence is on our side, and that's what we've been discovering during the series. So I want to talk about some common objections to the Bible today. You ready? I got a lot of information. I, did, I worked really hard for you this week. <laughs> I worked really hard. And so I, I did some very dig, deep, deep digging, and uh, figuratively and literally, uh, this week to help you guys out. So um, the first is this, that the Bible has been disproven. How many of you have ever ran into that challenge? Well, the Bible's been disproven. The question is when, because there's all these claims, you know, everybody wants you to have reasons for your claims. Scripture tells you, you should have reasons for those claims, but a lot of times people make claims against Christianity like this. The Bible has been disproven. And my question is when, when is the Bible disproven? I'm not saying that you have to like the Bible. I'm just saying, when have you, when has the Bible been 
disproven. How did you come to that conclusion? Did you read an article by some guy who's just mad? <laughs> right? Don't believe everything you read on the internet. However, there's a lot of good things to read on the internet. Not all of it's true. A lot of it is. I want to suggest this to you, and today we're going to focus most of our attention on the New Testament, and I'll explain why in a little bit. The New Testament has held up to stricter scrutiny than any other historical document. There's, listen, people, emperors, rulers, societies, cultures, really smart people have done a lot of work to disprove the Bible, and it's never happened. Over 2,000 years, they've tried to disprove the Scripture. They've tried to disprove Christ. Guess what? You can't. Where's the body of Jesus? There's no, it's in heaven. That's where it's at. And it's full of life. <laughs> Come on. And so his, his, are you tracking? He's not dead still. He's there physically. And so and there's this guy named um, Dr. Nelson. I'll, I'll let you pronounce his last name. Uh, Gluick. I think that's how you say his name. He, he, this guy's perhaps the most modern authority on Israeli archaeology. Okay, this guy is like, if anyone wants to know archaeology and Israel history, they go to this guy. He's the guy. He's the guy everyone trusts. And he says this, no archaeological discovery has ever controverted or contradicted a Bible reference. Scores of archaeological finds, scores of archaeological finds have been made which confirm in clear outline or in exact detail, exact detail. This is a really brilliant guy. As far as I know, he's not a Christian. He says this, confirming clear outline or in exact detail historical statements in the Bible. Other words, he's just looking at the Bible as strictly an archaeological historical book, not a, a book of religion, just a historical document. And he said, "There's everything that that we find about the Bible prove that it's valid." So the Bible has not been disproven. I would say quite the opposite. I'm going to help you with that today. The second is this: is that the Bible is irrelevant and outdated. We all have ever heard that. All the views in Scripture, they're outdated. All those Christians, they need to get with the time. Correct. The Bible is not relevant. And I would say the Bible is not relevant. Therefore, the world has gone mad. We can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Oh, yeah? Well, what did it say that God created in the beginning? What did Jesus affirm about the creation account? God has made them man and woman. Pastor, are you saying? I'm saying Jesus said it. And what Jesus says carries more weight than some politic or some scientist. His name, listen, what he said continues forever. And his word has been tested over 2,000 years. I think I'll take his word for it. See, truth is not supposed to be relative. It's supposed to be central. And when truth is not central, the result is chaos. And this is what we're seeing. You, take, you, you can leave the scriptures out of it. You can leave the Christian worldview out of it. Our society has bought into this thing, and we talked about this in week one, called relativism. Postmodernism, relativism, it says whatever's true for you is not true for me. And look where we're at. When you don't have something that's truth and it is not central, the result is always chaos. See, truth is not fashionable. It's not trendy. And it's interesting how many people like Jesus and quote unquote love Jesus, but they don't love the truth. <laughs> many like Jesus, but hate the Bible. Many love Jesus, but hate the church, which is impossible. Read the scriptures. 
Oh, you don't, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't like the Bible. Listen, the Bible is the firsthand, earliest documents, the most accurate accounts of Christ. You, and there's other sources out there that confirm other historical sources. And again, you can, I, I'm going to tell you to go back and listen last week. So much of history revolves around Christ as the central character. So the problem is, is what we have, and I would say in America and in other parts of the world, many people have this Jesus that they've constructed, okay? So we don't like what the Bible has to say, but Jesus would like this. Where are you getting this Jesus? Because even the other text outside of the scripture confirm what's in the gospels. What's happened is, is many want to construct a palatable and pliable Jesus so that they can fashion him to whatever lifestyle, ideology, or agenda they like. Well, Jesus would be kind to X. Jesus would, but they're not following Jesus. You, do you know Jesus? Do you know the man Jesus? Because he is alive. Or are you just appropriating him for your agenda, for your ideology? So the Bible's irrelevant and outdated. That's okay. Because truth is unchanging. And if the Bible is true, it doesn't matter if it's irrelevant in culture or not. It's truth. And culture changes. Truth doesn't. Come on. All right. Number three. And listen, I'm not petitioning for some kind of like church-ran government. Not a chance. That's been tried in the past, and it hasn't worked out real well. Come on, we're the salt of the earth. The third is this. You've probably heard this. The Bible is pro-slavery and anti-women. Y'all ever heard that? Yeah, many critics of the Bible will say this. I would ask you this question. How much time have you spent in the scriptures? Where? Where is the Bible anti-women? Where is the Bible pro-slavery? And, and what's happening is, is we're listening to these voices, these progressive, misinformed, woke theologians that want to apply Jesus. Come on, that want to apply Jesus to fit a certain narrative. However, they don't want to follow the man. So it's intellectually dishonest for those that have a low view of Scripture to use it to advance their ideas. And this is what you have. You, we have culture. Listen, we have a lot of people in the quote-unquote Christian scare quotes, in Christian circles that don't like the Bible very much. They have a very low view of Scripture. However, they'll use Scripture to advance things. That's intellectually dishonest. Either take it for what it is or leave it alone. But don't play this game. Either it's the word of God or it's not. And if you don't think the word, it's the word of the God, word of God, then fine, leave it alone. Don't use it to, to appropriate your ideology. That's intellectually dishonest. You're breaking the rules. What rules? The rules of logic. The rules of reason. It's ridiculous. And we've got all these woke people trying to use Jesus to affinity, to, 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 to fit a narrative. Now listen, there's some religious people, some very devoted people that need to properly appropriate Jesus as well. Let's get that straight. I, I, I want to help you with something. You talk about this issue of slavery and women. 
there is a difference in Scripture between things being described in Scripture and things being prescribed in Scripture. So there's many things in Scripture that are described and described in a different context than what you look at it with through a different lens. So the Bible humanizes women in a culture that did not. In a culture that devalued women, the Bible humanizes women and values women. And in a culture where slavery was prominent, it doesn't devalue slaves, doesn't devalue servants. It actually, Christ actually calls us to be servants. And the difference is, is we've seen this, this history that we've had over the last several hundred years of mistreatment of slaves, and we read that ideology into the scripture. And we think, well, we see the word slave, we think the mistreatment and the things that we saw before, whereas most cases in the scripture, most cases, not all cases in the scripture, many times when it's talking about slavery, it's talking about voluntary indentured servanthood, where someone says, I need to pay off some debts, so I'm gonna give my life for you for this many years. And you know what the scripture says? It says you can't keep them for longer than seven years. If they come and they sell themselves voluntarily, say, I wanna come work for you, you know, we, we have people now that, that say that work is slavery. It's like, what is wrong with you? Like, you want to get paid, right? Like, you chose the job that you got. Don't quit complaining about your raise and your environment at work. You applied for the job. Need, need to remind you. Stop complaining about your job, please. You got one. So don't read the Bible with a filter of modern controversies and construct construct a, a, a cause that, w- that, will, that will lead you to, a, to read it with biased criticism. And so this is what we do is we read all the modern ideologies into the scriptures rather than allowing the scriptures to develop our modern ideologies. L- let me just suggest this to you. It was biblical ideas that set the prisoners free from slavery. Those were Christian people that were promoting those ideas. You take the church out of it, you still have slavery. The fourth is this. Men wrote the Bible or compiled the Bible. White boomer men, right? (laughs) This is kind of the idea, right? All these, these men developed this council And they said, we like this, we don't like that. Listen, why would they construct scriptures that call them to die to themselves? Why would they construct scripture that says that you're willing to to, to go to the extents of giving yourself for your faith? Why would they construct something like that that would cost them so much in their lives? There's no benefit to constructing constructing a scripture, The, the scripture we have. They would have made something a lot nicer. (laughs) The apostles wrote and endorsed the New Testament. Why the apostles? Well, because they had the eyewitness face-to-face encounter with Jesus. Who else is going to write it? Who else is going to record it? the people that were there. So the, the early church, what they did, even in the book of Acts, adopted these writings. They didn't form them. They said, well, this is good. We'll do this. Early councils did not decide 
what the Bible was. They gathered what was written and used it to draw, draw, draw doctrine from. And this is where we get the creeds. And this is where we get classic Christianity from not people that said, we want to have these doctrines. Let's look in the Bible. That's what people do today. I want to think this way. So I'll go look in the scripture and try to find permission for it and apply it. No, they said, this is the scripture. I'm going to let it read me. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm wretched. I'm a sinner. I mean, who would write, who would come up with that idea? I'm a sinner. That's not good news. I'm an enemy with God. Why, why, would you, why would you promote that idea? It's not an idea that I would want to promote. Hmm. Regardless, men wrote it, therefore it has mistakes. Have you ever heard that? I mean, this is probably the most common thing. If men wrote it, it had mistakes. Listen, it doesn't follow that because men make mistakes that they always make mistakes. Certainly there are books that are written now and historically that contain no mistakes. There are diet books that you read that don't have mistakes. There are other ones you read that do. But don't, let, don't, don't therefore draw the, con, the, 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 the conclusion that just because a man wrote it that it's broken. Because there's things that you trust every day. Listen, there's a whole lot of junk on the internet you trust that was written by men, men with ill intentions. Me too, I've read those things. And so I better have something to judge that against. Do you trust history books? <laughs> Some of them. Diet plan books, news articles. And we're, listen, we are living in an age where I would encourage you, question every bit of news that comes out. But there's one thing you can trust that's been proven through the ages, proven through more difficult times than we're facing now. So pointing out the fact that the Bible was written by men does nothing to undermine the Bible's reliability. If someone challenges you and say, men wrote the Bible, there's mistakes in it, just ask them, okay, what mistakes are you referring to? Just simple, easy question, what mistakes? Uh, uh, that's what you get. And once those, and if some things are brought up, awesome, then, then talk about them and see if the Bible is right or wrong about those mistakes. Allow it to, even if you don't believe the Bible, even if you're skeptical. Listen, what I'm, what I'm finding through, uh, through my research is the people that are the most critical of the scriptures and the most critical of Jesus and actually start seeking out historical, archeological data, they're like, oh, you know, you look at Lee Strobel, like this guy was a lawyer, like, He's like, man, he went out to like prove that Jesus was, the, was not who he says he was. William uh, J. Warner Wallace, same thing. His wife was saved. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this Christianity. I'm going to prove Christianity is false. Guess what he found out? See, fallible human beings can write an infallible book because the infallible God inspired them. Say it this way. God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. I didn't come up with that. I don't know where that came from, but it's a good, good quote. God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. I think God can do that. I love what Greg Kokel says about it. If God is involved with the Bible, it doesn't matter if men or monkeys wrote it. He can still guarantee the result he wants. And I believe he did. And I believe there's a lot of evidence that 
prove without a, with, without a reasonable doubt that that's the case. The next is this, the Bible has changed. You've heard this? Well, the Bible's changed over time. Or, or they'll say this, I, I've heard this before. I might have actually used this before. The early church didn't even have a Bible. Y'all have ever heard that? They didn't have a Bible, look what they did. False. They had the Old Testament that was written and compiled 150 years before Jesus even shows up. They didn't have one on their cell phone. <laughs> they didn't have a. They didn't have a, a one sitting in the room. But what what was happening with the early church is that when these documents were being written, as the gospels were being written, as these letters were being written, part of the the reason why they were writing those things is because most of them in the world at that time were illiterate. They didn't know how to read. They didn't know how to write. And so the disciples they were following Jesus, and they they. They thought Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. That's really what they thought. And so what they, when they started dying and they were started being martyred off, they were like, man, we better start writing some of this stuff down. And so they went to certain people that knew how to write, like Luke, and they said, hey, we need your help writing this stuff down because we don't really know how to write. We're not very good at it, but I have a really good memory. In my whole life, I've been, I've been relying on oral tradition because that's how information was passed along all those years. Why was it oral tradition? Well, some of it was just the technology to pass those things along. That's part of it. The other thing is, even if they had the technology, they didn't know how to do it because there was no need for it. They, they remembered things. How, how many of you had big moments in your life you didn't need to write down? You can give great details. I, I share a story. I was sharing some stories yesterday at a birthday party of something that happened to me in high school that, that marked me. I'm sharing, like, explicit details of what happened. Why? Because it was, it was a big moment. It wasn't even a spiritual moment. Very carnal moment, actually. <laughs> right, Chris Ross? Very good. Yeah, so, yeah. So the Bible's changed. The Bible's changed. Listen, Jesus believed, abided by, and endorsed the Old Testament. He then fulfilled it. So Jesus didn't have a Bible. <laughs> you know, you see some guy. Some Yahoo. Jesus didn't have a Bible. If he didn't need a Bible, I didn't. Jesus actually had a Bible. He went to Torah. He read the scriptures. He observed the Torah. So these apostles, eyewitnesses, started recording everything. And as soon as they were recorded those things, that was the stuff that they were teaching in their churches. Paul's writing letters, and they're like, man, this is good. Don't just give it to the church at Corinth. Give it, give it to the church over here that we don't even have a record of. Because the gospel was advancing. They wanted the gospel to advance, so they were writing stuff down and sending out letters so people could take this gospel. Y'all okay? So check out Luke. This is what he says. So Luke was an associate of Paul. And he's a, he's a doctor, so he's very educated. He knows how to write. And look what he says. He says, many have undertaken, many have undertaken to draw upon an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Fulfilled, hey, fulfilled, happened. Fulfilled the law, happened. Just as they were handed down to, to those, to, I'm sorry, where am I? Handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. 
Now, he's not talking about the word Christ here. He's talking about the written words. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So he's, what is he saying? He said, I've done my homework. I've done my Google searching. I went to the library. I did a lot of work from the beginning to write this letter, to record all these things that happened. I've been going through careful scrutiny. I too decided to, to, other words, there's other accounts. He says, I too have decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, which is this guy we don't really know that much about. He's writing a letter to this guy. Why is he writing the letter? Because he wants to advance the gospel. He wants to advance the story of Jesus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Oh, okay, okay. But the Bible still changed. Look how many translations there are. I was talking to a brother a couple weeks ago. He said, man, I went, went into the, to Mardell to buy a Bible, and there was like so many overwhelming translations, right? And so people will say, well, there are so many translations. How can it be trusted? Now, let me say this. There are no perfect translations. Some are better than others. Some are better at certain scriptures than others. That's why you don't draw doctrine from one translation. You compare, you contrast, you look at them. And someone would say, that's right, brother. That's why I use the authorized King Jimmy version, right? The same Bible the Apostle Paul used. First of all, the Apostle Paul didn't use the King James version. The King James version is the oldest English translation. And let me suggest this to you. If you think you're so spiritual, it's not the most accurate we have better technology now. That's a good thing. Because as we advance in technology, we're actually able to go into the scriptures and go, huh, what was it really saying? So multitudes of translations is a good thing. It's not a negative thing. Stop looking at that as a negative thing. It, it actually attests to more that people have done their work. So listen, a specific translation is not the word, but it contains it. So, but it's important that you have a translation that works for you. For me, I like the NIV. That's the one that I got hooked on. And I really love, if I'm just reading, I love to read the New Living Translation. And these are translations. There's some are out there that are not translations. There's translations that say they're translations and they're paraphrased. They're not translations. If it helps you with the scriptures, then read it. But just make sure you compare it to other translations, especially if you're going to develop some kind of doctrine. Just because it's older doesn't mean it's better. And, you know, you got these, like, King James-only cults, right? They're going, I got the king. It's a real Bible. Jesus. No, listen, it's just older. That's all. And that's why you have a hard time reading it. Praise God that somebody came in and went to the same documents or earlier documents than the King James went to and go back and look at the historical documents and write from those documents. And this is what people think. They think, well, they got the King James version and then they interpreted the King James version. So the, 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 the lie is this, and you'll hear the world say this. We have copies of copies. It's kind of like when you go to the photo, y'all know what a photocopier is? I think they might still have them at school. So you can go and you lay a paper on there and you hit a button and it makes a copy of it. And when it makes the copy, if you take the copy and make a copy, it's distorted a little bit. And, and this, the idea is that we've got copies upon copies of copies. No, no, no. They're all copies. It's like you hit 50 on there. You just have different colors of paper 
in the tray and you hit 50 and you hit go and it just printed on different color papers. The message is the same. It just looks a little different. So translations say the same thing in a different way. It's not a problem. It's actually a solution. It helps you. It helps me. It helps your kids. Praise God they have Bibles that our kids can read. I would also suggest this. Don't develop a, derive a theology from one translation, also not from one verse. First of all, verses were not in the original. We added those in there to help us grapple with the scriptures, to help us memorize it. N never read a Bible verse, by the way. It's, oh, Lord, what are you saying? So what are you saying from your word, Holy Ghost? Judas went and hung himself. How's that going to help you? It might help you if you read the whole story. Why did Judas hang himself? Because he is filled with shame and guilt because he was guilty. But he could have been redeemed if he would have done the right thing. That's what you should derive from that scripture. I guess we should hang people. <laughs> this, is, this is how people get off by reading a verse, by drawing theology from a verse. Listen, one verse can affirm theology, but we don't derive theology from it. And we don't derive theology from a specific translation. Compare, contrast, study. In, in that same conversation of the Bible has changed, you'll get this sometimes. Well, the Bible's not accurate, Bible. Y'all love how I have the West Texas Bible, same thing. Or there are contradictions in the Bible. Which ones? Can we talk about the contradictions? If you want to have the contradictions, let's sit down and let's have a civil discourse about, is that a contradiction or do you have a misunderstanding? Because I can guarantee you, because I've misunderstood things before, that it's typically a misunderstanding. It's not, what does that verse mean to you? That's a really bad mindset. To live by. There will be verses that will speak to you. There will be billboards that will speak to you. There will be people that speak to you. There will be verses that will speak to you, but don't pull out what it speaks to you and say that's what it means. That's, that's, that's when we get into problems. We need to have a high view of scripture. It's the authority. I'm not the authority. I don't decide what the Bible says. It decides what I say. <laughs> mm. There are no contradictions in Scripture, just misunderstandings. Over 39 sources, and this is, again, alluding to last week. We're referencing last week. Over 39 sources outside the Bible that attest to more than 100 facts regarding Jesus' life, teachings, crucifixion, and resurrections that we find in the New Testament. 39 sources outside of Scripture that say the same thing that Scripture is saying. Historical books, secular books, people that hated Christianity books, Compare, uh, compared to other historical texts, the New, Te New Testament holds up to textual criticism. Textual criticism is where you take a, a historic document and you go, let's, let's run it through the ringer. Let's do all the work that we can to see whether or not this is reliable or not. And the scripture, again, has been, they have done that with scripture over and over and over again. I hope they keep doing it. Come on. We're glad that that is happening because it will hold up under the scrutiny more than any other history, historical document that people trust, that people never question, Scripture holds up to, 
to them more than, check this out. I, I, there's a chart for you in your notes. And we've also have a little bit of a chart for here today. So these are, these are like the most popular, but I narrowed it down because there's so much. So there's a, there's a few up there. So just how many of y'all have ever heard of, um, say, Caesar, the writings of Caesar, right? Okay, so the date it was written was from 100 to 44 B.C. The earliest copy is 900 A.D. The time between the original and the copy, 1,000 years. Nobody, nobody questions the writing of Caesar, they're basing that off 10 copies. Homer, y'all have heard of Homer? 900 BC was when it was written. 400 BC was the earliest copy. 500 years between the original and the copy. And it's really accurate. There's 643 outside the Bible. It is the most accurate historical document that we know of. 643 copies based upon the original. Basically, that means you have the original that's starting to deteriorate, deteriorate, and people make manuscripts based upon that. And it's a strict process. And so what they do is they write this down and they create copies. Why? So more people have it. So there's 500 years. And with accuracy, they say that we have 95% accuracy among the manuscripts. Of the 500 manuscripts, 95% accuracy. That's pretty accurate. But nobody looks at those writings and goes, well, I doubt it. No. Historians, scientists, archaeologists, they all look at it and they go, man, I think this stuff that Homer wrote was true. But check this out. The New Testament was written between 50 and 100 A.D. Jesus dies around 30 A.D., The earliest copies are early in the second, second century. Less than 100 years, all the New Testament documents. Some as early as 20 years. Now understand, there's a writing revolution. People are learning how to write. Why didn't they write it right then? Because they didn't know how to write yet. Then they saw the need, we need to learn how to write. So they write, start writing things down. They have to go and find people that know how to write things. Less than 100 years. Closer time gap than any other historical document. Guess how many manuscripts we have based upon the originals? 5,600. 5,600. And among those 5,600 copies from the manual, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the original manuscripts, I said manuals, manuscripts, 99.5% accuracy among the manuscripts. So there's 0.5% of the scriptures that, that's different of all the manuscripts. And people go, well, the Bible can't be trusted. We trust all these other sources. Why? People don't like the Bible because the Bible calls us to lay down our lives. The Bible tells us that God has a specific plan, a specific purpose, a defined morality, all those things. So there's overwhelming evidence about the scriptures compared to other documents, overwhelming evidence of the New Testament. The most accurate. So you have these 0.5% that we're talking about. Y'all feel like you're in class today? Okay, we'll get there. We'll get preachy in a minute. 0.5%, the textural variance, the 0.5%. Let me help you with that. That 0.5%, you know what it is? It isn't stories. It's letters. It's words that are flipped around. So it's like, it's like this. 
I went to the store to get some eggs that I needed versus I needed eggs, so I went to the store. I said the exact same thing. I just used less words. I moved, this is the, the 0.5% is made up of stuff like that. They forgot the word A. I mean, you get my notes every week. You know, man, he forgets some words. <laughs> definitely, definitely more than a 0.5%. Yet you trust that's what I'm preaching. <laughs> Or we look at it and we go, oh, what about those alarming foot, footnotes? You see those footnotes in Scripture? And you go down and you look at the footnote and it says, some early manuscripts don't have this. And if you're like me, the first time you saw that, you went, oh, is that even the Bible? Can I trust any of it? How many of you ever felt like that? Listen, aren't you glad that they told you? Aren't you glad that they informed you? I mean, how sneaky would it be to not put that in there? That sounds like manipulation. So I want you thinking of these textural variants. Aunt Tilda has a 24-ingredient, 46-ingredient cookie recipe. Okay? Your Aunt Tilda. I'm assuming you have one named that. We all have an Aunt Tilda, right? So over the years, <laughs> somebody's aunt, a toll house, whatever, so over the years, because people loved her oatmeal cookies so much, they came and they said, hey, we need your recipe. And so she sat down with them, and she told them the recipe. They, she let them copy the original manuscript of her recipe. So then she's got all these recipes out there. And you've got, like, all these people, like, baking these good cookies, right? Probably going to open a restaurant. Some entrepreneur got a hold of them. And then her dog eats the recipe. Devastating. So you know what she does? She gets on the phone and she goes, Hey, Billy. Remember when I gave you that recipe for my 24-ingredient oatmeal cookies? You remember that? Y'all remember? Let's put you on a party line. Let's do a three-way call from your cousin, Terry. Hey, Terry, this is your old Aunt Tilda. My dog ate the recipe. Can y'all come over to my house and we can write down the recipe together? I need to make sure I get it right because people are going to need it because I'm getting old and I'm about to die. <laughs> Why is that so funny? And so they all gather at Aunt Tilda's house. And guess what, guess what Aunt Tilda does? She takes all these different writings from all the people that had, and some people had misspellings on their notes. Some people put chop, then mix. Other people put mix, then chop. How are we going to sort this out? How many of you know that you could take the recipe that they recompiled based upon all these recipes that she sent out, I believe that you could come up with an accurate recipe based upon all these manuscripts from her. It's the same as scripture. It's not, listen, it's not the little rumor game where you tell the rumor and the person tells the rumor and the No, no, we got all that we have in our modern translations from original manuscripts. They're not based upon translations, upon translations. If anybody says that, they're ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. Feel free to share with them 
hey, listen to my pastor's message or just preach it. You got the word right there. So we believe this. We, we affirm the three eyes of scripture here at Overflow. We believe that the Bible is inspired, that it's God breathed his message to men and moved them to record what he wanted. We believe that it's inerrant. Not our translations, but the originals are inerrant. They're free from errors. And we affirm that the scriptures are infallible. They're incapable of being wrong. God cannot lie. God can draw straight lines with a crooked stick. We believe that they're inspired, inerrant, and infallible. Not our translations, but the original word. Tracking? Because there are errant translations. Some really errant ones. This is the bottom line. The bottom line with scripture is this, authority. And this is where people don't like the Bible. They don't like the Bible because to say that the Bible is God's word is to say that it has authority because God is the boss. We, we appeal to scripture. That's why we say, well, the Bible says, good. You know what? If you're a Christ follower, that should be enough for you if that's what the Bible really says. It should be enough for you. Not enough for you to just swallow it, but to take, if you're critical of it, then go search it out. But where are you going to search it out? You're going to search it out in the Word. Why? Because you know the Word holds the authority. You know what my kids do? Whenever they want to have authority, they don't go, well, I said. They go, well, Mom said. Or they go, when then Dad said. Sometimes they try to pit the authority against one another. Come on. Well, Mom, sometimes the kids will come to me, well, Mom said I could do this. I said, well, Mom and I will talk about it. And we'll figure out what's going to happen. It's usually whatever Leslie says. So get this, one of the latest books written in the New Testament is 2 Timothy. It's one of the last books. At this point, much of the New Testament is already being used. This is so fun. So Timothy had a grandma. Paul talks about this in, in first, it's not Aunt Tilda, it's his grandma, that, that compiled, that, that, that taught him at an early age the teachings of the Old Testament. And Paul's coming along and he's teaching the, the, the teachings of the New Testament, of the writings that they're gathering, of, of the oral tradition that they're sharing. And this is what he tells Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 14. It's so important that when you read this, that you read it from that understanding. They're not talking about 2 Timothy, but they may be talking about one of the other letters to the churches. Understand this. And this is near the end of Paul's life. But you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. You know that they are true, for you can trust those who have taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood and have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting Jesus Christ. How would you know how to be saved if it wasn't for the scriptures? How would you know about Jesus if it wasn't for the scriptures? How would you know that to trust the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life? How would you know if you didn't have the scriptures? This is what he's saying. How could you be made right with God if it wasn't for the scriptures? You wouldn't know. Beloved, develop a high view of scripture. All scripture. Again, he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about things that they're compiling now is inspired by God. 
and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I'm not looking to culture. I'm not looking to government. I'm not even looking to the church because the church has got it wrong on some things. I'm looking to the scriptures. Dad says, It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. What is the right thing? Where do I go? I go to the scriptures because it's the eternal truth of God. It's the inspired word of God. God didn't make a mistake. And I will build my life. I have devoted my life to live according to these scriptures because they're true. And, And things have happened in my life to confirm that they're true. Not to decide that they're true, but to confirm that they're true. Then he says this in verse 17, God uses it to prepare us and equip his people for every good work. So God gives you the word to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. The word is there to correct you. It's useful. See, people have a problem with the Bible because they have a problem with authority. They have a problem with correction. They have a problem with God being God and Jesus being king. That's why people don't like the Bible. Because they don't want to be told what to do, which is what the scripture teaches, that in our hearts we are rebellious and we are at enmity with God. However, God saw Jesus, sent Jesus, and we saw what God gave us in Jesus. And so we said, Lord, All that you say is true. I am broken and needy, but you sent the word made flesh to dwell among us. See, it doesn't matter what I think or feel or justify. He is the higher authority. His unchanging word reveals to us about what God loves and hates and what he blesses and what he doesn't bless. The word shows us his standards, his desires, and his intentions for humanity. The word. We know from the word. So with the word, you don't stand and perplexed and ask, is this right or is this wrong? You go, What does God say? And he has given you undebatable guidance on life, morality, and what God approves of and what he disapproves of. The Bible is our authority because the Bible is the word of God. Just like in my house, my word stands as authority. When my kids are 18 years old, They can move out of that. But as long as they are in my house, they're going to go by what I say because I'm the authority. And praise God, I'm appealing to a higher authority for that. Hebrews 4, I'm I'm getting there. For the word of God is alive and active, living and active. It's sharper than the sharper two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Don't just read the word to go, Lord, I need to feel better today. I need a little encouragement today. Let me read the scriptures. Do that. Please do that. But listen, don't just do that. Look at the word and go, Lord, make me like you want me to be. Refine in me, Lord. I do not have patience. But you said the fruit of the Spirit is patience. So, Lord, I'm praying that you would work in me by the Holy Ghost. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one whom we are accountable. So the word is a strainer. So I've got to... 
Y'all got some dirt from my backyard yesterday. But there's something good in the dirt. This dirt, not the dirt from my backyard. But some other things I threw in the dirt that are good things. And if I will get the word of God and I will start sifting all the things, I can go, God has spoken What is the lie? The lie is all the things that fell through. They didn't hold up under the scrutiny. What did God say? Oh, God said, coffee. This is from God. Yeah. There is a good thing. But to find the good thing, to find the God thing, I had to sort through the scriptures. I had to go through the scriptures and allow the scripture to expose the lie and go, God has spoken. God has spoken. How will you know what God has spoken? Well, because he told me, was that your pizza or is that the Lord? How do you know? You go through the word. You go through the word. Ultimately this, listen, I'm closing. Somebody please come up or I'm going to keep preaching all day. Ultimately, the word is this. See, the Old Testament had a purpose. Paul tells us this purpose in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. He says, the law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. Specifically talking about the first five books of the Bible, the law. He said, the law is a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. What is the scripture for? See, the written word is to lead us to the word made flesh. See, all the scriptures that God has given you has a purpose. And you know what that purpose is? Not that you just feel blessed and highly favored, that too. But the the purpose of the scriptures, the main intention of the scriptures is to get you to this man, Jesus Christ, the written word, getting you to the living word, getting you to the word made flesh. A word that can be fleshed out. A word that is real. A word that transforms lives. Not just because it's written on paper, but because he's written on our hearts. So Jesus is having this conversation with the religious in John chapter 5. And he makes this statement. He says, I have a greater witness than John. Talking about John because they're scrutinizing Jesus. He says, I have, John was great, but I have a greater witness than John. My teachings and my miracles, they testify of something greater. The Father gave me these works to accomplish. And they prove evidence why they why, why he sent me. Verse 37. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen his face. You, you, and you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me. The one he has sent. You search the scriptures. Here we go. And I think the New Testament scriptures can apply to this as well. You search the scriptures because you think they can give you eternal life. Hold up. Search the scriptures. Jesus had a high view of scripture. Had the first five books memorized. But you search the scriptures thinking that they give you eternal life, but that's not what gives you eternal life. The scriptures point to me. And then he drops the mic when he says this. Yet you refuse to come to me to see and receive this life. Romans 1. They made the truth of God a lie because their hearts were darkened. 
because they wanted to live their own way. The reason why we want to say there's no Bible is because we don't want Jesus to be the king of our heart. I'm closing with this for real. Will you stand with me? That's, that's the indicator. The next series we do won't be this long episodes. They'll probably be long, but not this long. John 6, 63. I want you to just close your eyes. Because listen, you can have all the facts. You can have all the data. You can have all the good arguments. You can have all the knowledge. And you can miss the man. The knowledge, the data, the documents, all of it is to get you to Jesus. To encounter him. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up. Today, the Lord wants to encounter you. He wants to invade your reality. It's not because he's mad. It's because he's the truth. And he's saying, I want you to come to me. I'm the real thing. I'm the real one. And he makes this statement in John 6, 63. He says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. This life counts for nothing. It will count for about 70 years, maybe 90, if you eat right and exercise. But when it's over, it really doesn't count for much. But the words that I have spoken, they are full of the Spirit and life, or and eternal life. Yet there are some of you that don't believe. Here he is. Back to that believing thing again. You do not receive because you do not believe.